So Money, episode 657, Carlvin Dorvier. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Imagine losing both your parents at age 15 and then fast becoming the head of household with two other siblings, paying a mortgage, car insurance, and college. Welcome to So Money, everyone. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Our guest today, Carlvin Dorvier, says life's challenges didn't happen to him. They happened for him. They gave him the opportunity to grow up quickly, think strategically, and realize that, you know what? He can inspire a lot of people with his personal story. Happy to report that also Carlvin, who's 26 now, living in New York, working full-time, is maxing out his retirement savings on top of everything else. In Carlvin's words, he says he's on an endless journey of becoming the most interesting man in the world. I wouldn't argue with that. So interesting is Carlvin that he was even captured on Humans of New York, which is a massively popular page on Facebook. I think it's a book now. And his profile, of course, so fascinating. It was captured on Humans of New York. I'm very excited to introduce to all of you the inspiring and incredible and remarkable Carlvin Dorvier. Carlvin Dorvier, welcome to So Money, my friend. How are you? I'm doing pretty well, Farnoos. Thank you for having me. It's our pleasure. You know, folks, Carlvin emailed me. He's a listener of this show, and he said in the subject that one day I'll be a guest on your podcast. And guess what? Now you're here. <laughs> I'm super thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for being such a fan of the show. Uh, I think you have a lot to teach us, Carlvin. I mean, just to go through briefly your history. How old are you? I am 26. 26. So not a long life you've lived yet, but I feel like you have accomplished more than some 30, 40, 50 year olds financial accomplishments and, uh, Let's start with your teenage years. You experienced a lot of pain, a lot of adversity, a lot of suffering as a teenager, but you really seem to have you know, made the best of it. Tell us about when you lost your parents at 15, where were you, what happened, and what were you thinking? Yeah, sure. Um, I'll probably kind of bring it back a little bit to when I was 13 because that's when my whole life kind of shifted from there. So when I was 13, I was living in Miami, Florida, born and raised in Miami. And I was living with my father, my mother, and my two older brothers, Richard and Michael. And it was kind of funny because from, if you wouldn't know me in the past, you would have seen me as this little shy, chubby kid who would only watch Dragon Ball Z um, during the weeknights and eat a, a crap load of candy. But it wasn't until I entered middle school where I started to realize that my father wasn't really present as often. And just from there, things just started shifted a little bit. So kind of going over to when I turned 14, that's when I came home one day. I think I was like, oh my gosh, I think I was like in seventh grade or something. And I just walk into my house. I was hearing lard 
um, um, large smacks and all these noises in the background from our guest bedrooms. And then I saw my mother striking my father. And at that young age, I didn't know exactly what was going on or how to react. But that was literally the moment when my life changed forever. That's when my mother had told me that my father had been having an affair and he has um, other kids on the side and he's going to leave our family. So from there, that's when my father was no longer present in my life and my, my mother was left to work three jobs to support three, <laughs> three, three boys. And that's, that's pretty difficult. So I definitely give her props for, for doing that. But as she was working three jobs, we still had to find a way to make money. We had to find a way to make a living. And it was very difficult because my, my oldest brother, Michael, at the time, he wasn't working. So he would often make music in order to generate some sort of income to bring into the house. My second oldest brother, Richard, he wasn't working either. <laughs> and then you have me, who was the baby. Uh, what I used to do is play street football <laughs> and kind of hustle people just to get money. It was kind of funny. And, <laughs> and then anytime the school would always give out like free com computer keyboards or try to toss them out, I would collect everything and flip it on the side just to get some kind of revenue as well. And mind you, I was only 14 at the time. Wow. <laughs> why were you the one doing, like, why were your older brothers out, out there making real money? And why were you doing it? What do you, what, how are you different from your brothers? I just think I have a higher risk tolerance than my brothers. That That's probably the main thing. Hmm. Um. We'll get into that a little bit later. I want to learn more about your risk tolerance in your <laughs> your mid to late twenties. Uh, tell us about how you lost your parents and and then what happened after that. Yeah, sure. So once I hit fifteen, that's when we started moving around a lot. So from Miami, Florida, my family and I we were separated. So I was living with my best friend at the time. My brother was living with my godmother, and my other brother was living with a friend. So I was still in middle school. No, I was in high school at this time, and my mother, she was, wasn't able to take care to care take care of all three of us together. So we were separated for a little bit, and then it wasn't until my uncle Henry, who lives in North Carolina, mentioned, "You know what? You guys been through way too much. I own a few rental properties. I want you guys to move to North Carolina so we all could be together." So it was that time where my family and I finally got back together and we were living in a very small apartment in Wilson, North Carolina. It was a two-bedroom apartment. Um, my two brothers and I shared the one bedroom while my mother shared the master bedroom. But it was that time I realized that something wasn't right with my mother. Her walk was extremely slow. The smile she once had just wasn't there. Her skin was such a beautiful complexion, began to appear so dull. And I just couldn't understand what was going on, but I know something was happening. 
So it wasn't until I came home one day from um, football practice where my uncle sat us down. My mother was crying, and I remember my uncle's face as it was yesterday. It it was the face was shocked, and I just walked in and trying to understand exactly what's going on, like what is happening. And that's when my uncle said, "Hey, hey, Ruth, it's my mother's name. You have to tell them. You have to tell them." And she she couldn't. She couldn't say not even one word. And my uncle looked at us and he said, Carlvin, Richard, Michael, your mother has AIDS. And she has no more than a month to live. Oh, my God. And it was that point where mm. I had no option to really process the information I had, I didn't know what to do. The, my first reaction was to sit down with my mother and I held her for so long that the sun went down. We, we didn't have mother, not even one word. And that's kind of how everything shifted from where at a young age, I had no other option but to be a man. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Wow. I mean, have you had a chance to heal and mourn? I mean, I think that's important, right? I mean, it's, it's, I think that happens with a lot of people when they go through losing someone very close to them. Sometimes we just get really busy. We try to distract ourselves from actually addressing our own emotions, taking on more responsibilities. Have you had a chance to cope with it? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I, I coped with it mostly during my freshman year in college. It, it definitely took a lot of time because at that point is, is when I realized that, you know, I didn't have enough time to cope with it during that moment. I need to figure out how can I make her last month the good impression of me and the person that she always wanted me to become. So from there, I started, um, I enrolled in my first speech contest. It was the Rotary Against Drugs speech contest. And I, I remember <laughs> as it was yesterday, because back then I used to have really long hair. Like uh, it was down to my shoulders and people used to always mistake me for this R&B singer named Amarion. <laughs> <laughs> and I was on stage giving my first speech ever. Oh my gosh, I was shaking like a wet dog. <laughs> What did you talk about? Um, Rotary against drugs. So, um, Rotary against drugs. Yes. Okay. And I remember I was on stage and I was looking around. I was shaking. My hands were in my pocket. I didn't know where to look. And I looked at my mother. She literally stood up and screamed. It's like, boy, you better speak off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, um, you hadn't been talking to your dad during this time, I predict, right? And so how did you find out about his passing? I actually found out from one of my one of my family members. It was probably back in my freshman to sophomore year in college. They just mentioned, you know what? I heard your dad passed away. And my only response to that was like, well, to me, he died a long time ago. Hmm. Carlvin, have you thought about why these things happen to you. I mean, not to get too spiritual or religious, um, but, you know, there is that philosophy that things happen for a reason and things make you who you are. And do you feel like 
you have been placed on this earth to, I mean, this has really made you so strong, right? And, and in some ways more ambitious than ever. Um, how do you analyze this whole thing? Yeah, great question. Um, I definitely think this definitely happened for a reason. And it was kind of like that moment where I was no longer fixated on saying why this has happened to me, but to say this has happened for me to a sense that my father gave me a story. My mother has given me a voice. So ever since then, I refuse to allow anything to go to waste. And that kind of gave me the drive what I have today. Because in the past, from anyone who have known me from when I was 16 or younger, were known that I was a quitter. I've never really put any much effort into anything like besides playing football, and that's about it. If I could take a shortcut, take a shortcut to get an A or take a shortcut to accomplish anything, I will take it. But once my mother passed away, and before she passed away, which was on Halloween, she saved up all of her money to buy a house for us to live in. And when she bought the house, she wasn't able to actually live inside the house. So it was that moment I told my uncle, I'm like, uncle, I refuse to let this house go to waste. I refuse for you to sell this house or rent it to anyone else. I will work to pay the mortgage, to pay the car insurance so my family and I can live together as my mother wanted. So that's when I kind of started working three jobs during high school, um, working at a movie theater, working, working at a a nursing home right next to the house, as well as mowing um, lawns for my uncle's rental property. And you managed to finish all your school credits? Yes. Finish all my school. Incredible. I don't know anybody. <laughs> who can, I mean, it's a very hard to have one job during high school. You had three. Um, that's incredible. Now, I'm going to ask mm -hmm. again. What were your brothers doing during this time? <laughs> so my, my oldest brother decided to move back to Miami to pursue pursue his um, musical talents, which I fully recommend he, he would do so because he was very passionate about that. While my second oldest brother continued to live with me as he was in community college. Okay. All right. So happy to hear that they were moving forward. Now, at 19... Did you go to college, by the way? <laughs> so that's a funny story. That's a funny story for yeah, you. Yeah, tell me that story. <laughs> so after like working um, three jobs in high school, running track and cross country, and then graduating in high school, you know, I was just so hungry for more challenges. Like, oh my gosh, I got addicted like just to the whole, the whole feeling. So I had this brilliant idea of put all the states in the hat where I didn't know a single person within a 200 mile radius, I shuffled it up and then I pulled out a piece of paper. That one paper, the state was Michigan. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going somewhere in Michigan. <laughs> and then I went on Google. I typed in advertising Michigan University cross country. The first school that popped up was Ferris State University in Big Rapids, Michigan. So I told my family, hey, I'm going to Fair State. <laughs> and that's how you choose a college. <laughs> Basically throwing a dart on a dartboard. Yeah. 
And did you did you enjoy it? Was that also a fateful experience? It was amazing. It was a true blessing. I'm not going to lie. The first year was pretty difficult because um, it was really cold. It was my first time seeing snow. So it took me time to get adjusted to that. And then secondly, I kind of ran into a few financial issues. Okay. What were those? So my first year, I was considered an out-of-state student, obviously, because I'm graduating from North Carolina. And the first couple of weeks was going phenomenal. I made a track, a track and field team, the cross country. I was part of several student organizations. And I received an email from the counselor saying, um, you know, you have to meet with me today, ASAP. So I'm like, okay, cool. Um, I, I assumed they would want to speak with me, but like, hey, you know what? You're doing too much. You may want to calm down. It's your freshman year. But <laughs> no, she told me. Which I do advise because I was like you. I went crazy freshman year. My <laughs> grades really suffered. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Tell me about it. It's like it. in the candy store. <laughs> Plus, I was away from my parents. For the first time in a long time, I didn't know what to do with myself because they were very strict and I was basically free for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> but when I went to my um, to the financial counselor, she advised me like, hey, you know what? You need to come up your $5,000 short for your tuition. So in order for you to stay in class, you have to come up with this $5,000. So she recommended to look for outside loans. And Farnusha. I, I will tell you, it's probably the first time ever since my mother passed away that I was literally crying. I went out for a Aww. run at nighttime, like at 1 a.m., and it was kind of really dramatic. Um, it was pouring rain, and then I was having like the, the Hillary Duff um, <laughs> um, soundtrack. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> like, it's so dramatic, extremely dramatic. And then I went for a run for like about 30 minutes, um, purely exhausting my body. And then um, I just kind of stopped for a minute there. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to find a way. I don't know how. Yeah. I don't know where, but I'm going to find a way. It's like, I am not leaving this school. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm kicking and screaming. <laughs> so you actually found, you actually can't, you, you, were remi- you reminded yourself of something, which was that now you're in state, right? Exactly. But at first, I remember calling my uncle to ask him if he could co-sign for me to get a loan because I don't have any dependents to, who are willing to co-sign for me. And he flat out told me no, which I kind of resented him for a while. Really, uncle? <laughs> really, uncle? I paid for a mortgage, okay? <laughs> so he kinda res- I kind of resented him for a while, but you know what? It all worked out towards the end. I kind of created a six-step process or system oh. to a sense. So number one, I will sell any of my personal belongings that I currently own to generate some quick, some quick revenue. And then number two, I wanted to look for any kind of side jobs I could currently get to continue to generate some more income. So there was a small um, movie theater next to our university, and it was the same movie theater I used to work for in North Carolina. So I remember walking into the movie theater. I approached the manager. I'm like, hey, my name is Carlvin Sylvan Dervier. I used to work for Carmike Cinemas back in Wilson, North Carolina. Listen up. I, I don't need training. I know how to work every system. I know every promotion, every coupons. I could show you right now, but I need a part-time job. And c- kind of sealed the deal right there. And But then I was still kind of short. 
So I kind of found a way to change my out-of-state tuition status to in-state. Yeah. Tell us about that because that's actually a huge savings. I mean, so tell us, tell us how you finagle that. Yeah, sure. So on every school website, there's always um, some kind of residency, like tuition purposes, like um, document. I was doing my own little due diligence because I was looking for every possible way to stay in school. And I realized one of the general provision was saying that students who are um, domiciled in Michigan are eligible to be classified as a resident. So in order to be considered domicile, um, the student has to be individual and consider Michigan as their permanent home. But to be effect for tuition, the student must be presumed as independent with no mm-hmm. no parents under the age of 24. Aha. Yep. Uh-huh. So I'm like, oh, perfect. So what I'm going to... That's you. Exactly. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to change my driver's license. So we- where did you find this information? You just like went online and... Oh, yeah. I was in the library for like 10 hours or so. Yeah, okay. just kept going for random things. So I went to the DMV. I changed my driver's license. I got... I registered to vote in Michigan and I got all my taxes mailed to my dorm room. And then I literally scheduled a meeting with the, the with um, everyone at Ferris State University to present my case and be like, you know what? This is the reason why I should be considered for in-state tuition. Um, this is why it should be taken effect immediately. And after about two or three weeks, it was approved. I was able to be granted in-state tuition. And also, I was able to get a scholarship just so I, just because I attended high school in North Carolina. So not only I was able to stay in school, I started to receive a refund check for about $1,500 per semester. Oh my gosh. Bravo. P.S. Carlvin, if we could go back in a time machine, you should have applied for a lot of scholarships before you went to college because you would have, you, there's no doubt many schools would have been fighting over you to give you a full ride. Oh, thank you. Because any, any 16 year old who can work three jobs to help pay a mortgage while doing well in school, while doing well in track and field. I mean, come on, you're going to be, I mean, fast forward to today, um, you're obviously very successful and it's, it's no doubt that you had all the signs. Um, so fast forwarding to today, mm-hmm. you are a human of New York, <laughs> <laughs> yes. which is a humans of New York. Everybody is that amazing. Um, I guess it's all on Facebook, right? This, and uh, now it's a book, but, um, this is a, a where you can find incredible stories of New Yorkers captured within like a hundred words, beautiful images, and um, I'll read yours to the audience. This this sort of caption of you. I guess it was a picture of you taken. Looks like you're at the subway. I was Penn Station. Penn Station. This is your quote. Both my parents died when I was 15, so I knew early that I needed to learn how to make it on my own. So when it came time to go to college, I took a bunch of small pieces of paper, wrote down every state where I didn't know a single person, then I shuffled them up and picked up Michigan. Then I got on Google and typed cross-country advertising Michigan University, and that's how I ended up choosing my school. I feel like that's such a just a, a minuscule snapshot of who you are and your character. But how has that, uh, I mean, that's a huge profile to be considered a human of New York, humans of New York. How has that in any way helped you with your current life goals? 
you know, like from that post alone, I met some amazing people. Like I met this um this one woman who lives in Georgia. I we we often joke because I call her my my Facebook mom. And ever since the post from Humans in New York, she has always kept up with me and um continued to keep me accountable for all of my goals. But just from that one little taste of being noticed, I just mm-hmm. want to continue to contribute to the world. And here was what people have said in the comments. Um, uh, one person says, determination, tenacity, and fierce independence. Seriously inspiring. Another person says, should be on a Nike commercial. <laughs> I like that one. And then another woman says, every day I meet a hero. Today, you are my hero. Um, you are paying it forward. So tell us where you are right now. Where are you working? What What are you doing with your life? So right now, I'm the National Digital Account Manager for Runner's World Magazine and Bicycling Magazine. And in terms of what I'm doing with my life, I'm just inspiring people just to be their best. Like when you see me, I am always smiling. Um, I'm always laughing. I'm always laughing. And I'm going to spread optimism everywhere possible. Good for you. Um, What's your financial life like today? Are you so money? Oh, I'm extremely so money. Extremely. (laughs) Give us some insights. So how are you managing your money? I know you're contributing to a lot of retirement accounts. Where did you get your financial literacy from? I actually learned it on the fly. Like um, when, when I was like 17, 18 years old, I marked down a list of things that I need to get done before college. So I do not have to depend on anyone anymore. So number one was establishing credit. I understand in order to have a good credit, I need to find my own apartment or be qualified for certain loans. And then secondly, while I was in school, I was like, okay, you know what? What do I need to have? Or what do I need to start now to set myself up for success 10 or five years down the line? So after creating that list today, as of this year, I start to max out my 401k that my company provides. I max out my IRA. I have uh, six months saved for my money money market account of expenses. I have a travel account that I usually put like $3,000 in because I love to travel. So I want to have that money easily accessible and only designated for travel. Um, I have a Uber account that I put like you an Uber account or a gift card. I'll say. <laughs> Why are you taking the subway? <laughs> you know, sometimes you just travel so often, and I don't want to wait in the airport and take the train all the way back. From oh Oakland. well, yeah, to the airport I get it. Yeah, <laughs> but trust me, I don't put too much in there. I put like about four hundred for the entire year. So, um, Carlin in. Ten years. Where are you? What are you doing? How much net worth do you have? Do you, do you think? About, I think you think about these I things. Do. I think you're a planner. I, I, I'm, I'm a serious planner. So ten years down the line, I kind of see myself as being a motivational speaker and a, a, a leader in the media. Within the media. Hmm. A go-to expert. Yes. Oh, you should write a book. <laughs> You should, or you should start documenting all of this. I don't know if you are already, but I know you have a website, but really to, I mean, I don't know if you journaled any of this when, as it was happening, but when, while it's still fresh in your head, like really think about what you went through and the lessons learned and, 
you are a living example of how to persevere. And I think that it helps if you want to be a motivational speaker and get your words out there and be on a stage to first write it all down, right? And to know, to connect the dots for yourself a little bit better. No, I definitely agree. I definitely agree. And actually, like four months ago, I took a train across the country just to do that. I took a train from New York City all the way down to San Francisco straight just to write my memoir. And it's, it's finished. The, been the process of reaching out to people. And the first thing they usually say, like, oh, man, you're 26. You're too young for a memoir. I'm like, you know what? Just read the first page. That's it. Just read the first page. And you guys, it's, it's just volume one, guys. <laughs> There's more to come. <laughs> so this is unlike a lot of my so many interviews. We haven't really talked about, you know, your failures, your successes, your habits. I just feel like your story was so important and so uh, inspiring that I wanted to dedicate a lot of the half hour to it. But before we do go, Carlvin, I want to ask you, what would be your advice to someone, a young person who feels like they don't have any financial resources, they have all of these goals, their parents aren't the best role models, but they do want to go to college or start that business or both. I mean, let's let's I'll take the stage because you want to be that motivational speaker. Speak to that person who's right now going through some doubts. Well, I always say for number one, you have to understand that you cannot change your destination overnight, but you can change your direction overnight. So if you know where you want to be, what you want to have, or who you want to be, just ask yourself, like, what can you do right now, literally right now, not when you have something, not when someone else comes to your life, but literally right now to ultimately affect your future down the line. If you want to be a millionaire, you want to be a billionaire, I will say strive to be, the mil- strive to be that billionaire, not for the money but for who you have to become to earn that billion dollars. Yeah. And you're not going to get the million dollars overnight. You're not going to be able to get that destiny overnight, but you can start saving and that's changing direction. I love that. Don't worry about changing your destiny, but you can change your direction because I think that is empowering. We often feel like we are already defeated before we even get to the start line. And we just want advice where we can feel like we can have a handle on things. So no matter where you are, where you're living, how much money you have, what your skill set is, uh, you we all have special qualities and we all have people we know who want to help us hopefully and we you know uh we still live in a very free country relatively speaking <laughs> and and so remember that. And I remember um Seth Godin was on this podcast And he said, everybody listening to this show is rich. If you believe that your richness comes in your resources. Now, some people have a lot of resources. Some people have just a few resources, but they're resources and you have abilities. And so those two things combined can lead to richness in life. And so, Carlvin, thank you for reminding us of that in how you're living your life and leading your life. And no doubt you will be inspiring so many more people uh, as the years go by. And um, let us know how we can help you. Thank you again, Far News. And everyone who's listening right now, live your life. And remember, smile. Smile. 
P.S. Smiling requires more muscles than frowning, and so you're going to burn more calories. And right now, that sounds good to me. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to lose the last of this baby weight. So I will be smiling a lot more for you. And really, Carlton, thank you so much. We we really appreciate you and everything that you stand for, and you are so money. Thank you, Farnoose. Thanks so much to Carlvin for coming on and sharing so honestly and openly his story, his life's journey. And he's only 26, so I can't even imagine what is ahead for this phenom. Carlvin's website is carlvind.com. He's also on Twitter at carlvin underscore D. If any of you know a literary agent, let them know about Carlvin. He deserves to have his book published. I'm going to try to help him out as well. Uh, but really, I think uh, it's just a matter of time and you can say you knew him when. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. I hope your day is so money. Money.